Welcome to the Transformations with Jane podcast. I'm your host, Jane Nakata, a coach for women who want to live their best life wherever they may be. If you want to hear real stories about people living life their way, and you want to learn about having more peace of mind and confidence, then this is the podcast for you. I hope you'll enjoy the show. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Transformations with Jane podcast. I'm your host, Jane Nakata, a coach for women and a podcasting consultant. Well, this week we are coming to you weekly at the moment because I know that it's the winter holidays, right? For Especially if you're in the Northern Hemisphere. If you're in the Southern Hemisphere, it's the summer holidays. Potentially you are not spending it how you want to with being able to travel or, you know, go and see family. Potentially you're at home more. Maybe you have a little bit more time on your hands. So I've decided to bring back some of my favorite episodes for you to enjoy again and I've given them a bit of a freshen up with my uh, intros here and also a little bit of a perspective on what's happened since they were released. So this week we are talking, I will be uh, (laughs) not talking, playing an episode for you from uh, a year ago, just a bit over a year ago, this time with Jennifer Shinkai. Now Jennifer Shinkai is a coach who lives in Tokyo. She's from uh, England and uh, she's been in Tokyo for a while now. She is very, very interested in Ikigai. Now, Ikigai, I'm sure you may have heard of it, means life purpose. It's, you know, one of those famous Japanese ideas that uh, people think that all Japanese people have Ikigai, which I can tell you is definitely not true. They are just like the rest of us (laughs) struggling to find their life purpose. So, yeah, this and in this episode, we talk about Ikigai. We also talk about points of view coaching, which is another really awesome coaching system that Jennifer uses. I'm really looking forward to joining one of those uh, coaching uh, sessions in the coming year. So you should also check out her her website or she's on Facebook or LinkedIn and you can find out when the next one is coming. She's doing these online this year. So that's really great that anybody can take part in those. So another thing that I'm very, very proud to say is that Jennifer has just released her own podcast as well. And her podcast is called Ikigai with Jennifer Shinkai. And she asked me to help her with this because she really wanted to get her show going, but she is just so busy with, you know, all of her, the coaching that she does that she didn't have time to focus on doing it herself. And this is, and I'm, yeah, I'm really pleased to say that she did ask me to help her because it was fast track for her. What would take in her months or maybe wouldn't have even happened. Now she has her own show and her first episodes are coming out. So this is really, really exciting for me to see these other shows, voices of people in Japan, but also, you know, could be anywhere in the world uh, coming out and that I help them to become a reality. So I love seeing these shows come to fruition. So I hope you will hop over to iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts and subscribe to that show. It's called Ikigai with Jennifer Shinkai again. 
And yeah, there's going to be some great interviews coming up on there. Definitely a really, really great topic to learn more about how we can have, how we can live a life with more purpose. That's something all of us want to work on, I'm sure. So let me play that interview for you now. Hi, Jennifer. Welcome to the Transformations with Jane podcast. It's great to have you on the show today. Thanks for coming along. Thank you so much, Jane. It's lovely to be here. Yeah. Yay. Yay. So um, we're actually recording this on um, actually quite soon after the, uh, this, when you're, if you're listening to this and it's just come out, we actually recorded it quite soon and we've just actually had some um, big, you know, a big typhoon that's just been through. We've had a lot of um, disaster sort of things happening in Japan at the moment. So um yeah, thanks for coming along today and for adjusting your schedule so that we could um, get this done. My daughter's um, yeah. yeah school thing got moved to today and then all of my schedules have been mucked around this week. It's been a bit of a difficult week. How was it for you down in Tokyo? Like I heard so, it was really yeah. scary, right, with the wind and stuff. The wind was pretty intense. Um, I live in Sumiraku, which is a very low-lying and famously on the hazard map. You know, it's, oh dear, it's, yes, it's yes. one of the areas which actually survived the bombing in the Second World War, which is great. It's got all these sort of historical buildings, but it means that, um, for example, the fire risk is huge, earthquake risk is huge, and also it's between the Edogawa and the Arakawa. Sorry, not the okay. Arakawa, the Sumiragawa and the Arakawa. Yes. And so when, if, when, and if they flood, then basically we're a nice flood basin, low-lying ground to take it all in. So we were getting all the, you know, the Hinland, the uh, evacuation alerts. Um, but we decided not to evacuate. We had a three-floor house. So we said, okay, let's just go up to the third floor. Um, but I think of all the typhoons, you know, this one, yeah, I took the most seriously. And there was all the kind of buildup from Friday as well. So I really was very unproductive mm. um, on that. But luckily, you know, our area was safe. Um, our neighbors were all fine, despite there being quite a lot of um, old buildings and old people in our ward. Um, yeah, um, everybody was, uh, it was minimal damage. Um, and yeah, everybody seems okay now. So, but an interesting thing happened afterwards. You know, I just, the the sort of survivor story, you know, on the, Sunday morning, I saw a neighbor, I've never spoken to him before. He's a little bit around the corner and he was just, you know, sharing, oh, I evacuated to the school and there were quite a lot of foreigners there who didn't speak uh, Japanese and that must have been quite difficult for them. So, um, but you know, this 76 year old guy. So it's interesting that through sort of these difficult situations that challenge your community, you can actually create a different sense of community and different connections um, with people. So that was sort of a positive, the end, I felt. Yeah, that's beautiful. I like that, you know, I mean, it, it does often take something like this to happen to, to, to start a conversation with someone you haven't <laughs> spoken be to before, but yeah, that like going through this shared, um, thing. Yes. Definitely brings the community together. That's right. for sure. Yeah. yeah. And I think, yeah. I mean, you know about that much more than, than I do. <laughs> no. Well, I, I'm sitting up here on the hill in my house, which is completely yeah. fine. I have water. Um, you know, that, that thing they talk about survivor's guilt, you know, like we yeah. don't have to go far to find people who've lost everything and their mm -hmm. houses are covered in mud. They've lost their cars. Um, you know, they may have even, you know, lost their job if their job is nearby, you know. Right. Um, so 
yeah, there is a lot of, um, yeah, suffering and hard hardship at the moment in my very same city where I'm living my normal life mostly. Yeah. So, um, yeah, it, it, it's been hard to, um, sort of fathom yeah I've been spared this time so okay what well basically what what can I do so um in my city and and I think this is what something that's happening a lot in other cities who that have been very damaged is that we're having like because there's a lot of information on social media now actually Mm -hmm. um old people are actually missing out on getting the news like they don't know where to go to get water they don't know like they might be listening to the radio and things but they're not um, like TV, for example, is not broadcasting anything about our city just about. So um, it's very hard for them to get information. And um, a lot of old people are struggling. So, you know, for future reference for anyone who's listening, um, <laughs> look out for the old people in your neighborhood, you know, because they are the ones who are going to really struggle when these sort of things happen, you know, like they can't get out of their houses easily to get water, um, get food, you know, traveling to a different part of town for them is often out of the question so um yeah it's really that seems to be a thing that's really coming up now is how do we protect the elderly who are Mm. living alone at home and things so yeah i think as well people um of that generation thinking about my neighbors here you know they also have a lot of pride yes and not kind of wanting to ask for help exactly Um, there will be some they'll be sitting there suffering right so yeah like and you know because i have water and i have you know a washing machine that works and things i've been like picking out people and saying, come to my house. Um, you know, I've got the bathers waiting for you, you know, and right. they, they just, I have to literally go around there and drag them to my house. <laughs> <It's>, <laughs> and say like, you stink, yeah. my friend, please yeah. come. <laughs> yeah. And then, um, they'll come and they'll, you know, after they've, you know, used the washing machine and, and things that, you know, they're, they're grateful and they're relieved, you know, and they just feel so much more relaxed because they don't have to worry about that anymore. And, and I just sort of think, you know, it's, it's okay to, to not have that pride just today, you yeah. know, this week, yeah. you know, let's mm. just accept help. And I know it's hard. So yeah, I've been really actually being quite militant, <laughs> <laughs> trying to you help. You will come. You will, you will come to my house because they were, they would rather go and stand in line for an, an hour or two and try and use a coin laundry somewhere, right. which is the situation that is at the moment, like. You know, just people overflowing in the coin laundry, people overflowing at the um, the centos and the, that are open and things. So, like, mm. it's just you know, you don't need to go there. Come to my house. You know, yeah. <laughs> leave that for other people who have no other option. But so yeah, this is the the battle that we're having anyway. So yeah, it's a long road I think to recovery for mm. lots of parts of Japan. Yeah. So you know, if you guys can donate anything, you know, keep your eyes open. There'll be more and more places to send things to clothes. Um, school supplies, all of those things are yeah. apparently needed um, because, you know, kids have lost all their uniforms, they've lost their school bags, all sorts of right. stuff. So, yeah, schools yeah. have been damaged, so there'll be needs for books and, you know, toys, like kindergartens have been damaged, that sort of thing. So um, this is a great chance to um, move some assets into an area where they need to be used right. yeah the things that are sleeping redistribute in your house. Them. Yeah, redistribute the assets is that so. one of the the r's now we have many different r's in sustainability right so that sounds like a good yeah, r right redistribute redistribute yeah. Yeah. yeah reassign 
Yeah. Yeah. Relocate. Yeah. Yeah. Very good. So we, well, we've skipped yes. a bit through that, but anyway, <laughs> I just had to talk about that because it's very timely um, yeah. and this episode is coming out soon. So um, anyway, Jennifer, tell us yes. a little bit about you. Where are you from and how did you get here? Right. So I'm originally from Bury uh, near Manchester in the UK. It's a sort of post-industrial city. We get a lot of rain, but we've got beautiful hills. Um, and I haven't lived there really since 1996, since I went to university. And I studied English literature at Oxford. And you asked about um, sort of transformation stories. And I yeah. think actually that was maybe one of the first sort of uncomfortable transformations, kind of crucible moment that I had because I'd obviously go to Oxford. You're probably an you know all A student, which I was. And then I went from being sort of top of the class to just being really normal. Oh yes, like yes. Less when than you normal. go to university, yes. Yeah, and you know, right. Especially there's people, you know, they're multilingual and they're grade eight piano and they're incredibly intelligent and they're sporty and all of these things. And I was just a little bit like, who am I? Um, and yeah. um, and I didn't thrive. At Oxford is one way to put it. Like I oh, made really? some amazing mm -hmm. friends. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. I think that I. Um, I kind of closed down. I'm getting a bit emotional. I don't think I've, I've told this story in a, oh, in a public dear. sphere. Yeah. Um, right. yeah, but there you go. Thank you. Um, but yeah, I, I sort of closed down and um, made some bad decisions. Um, didn't really engage with the university in the way that like looking back, I wish I had done. So, you know, people say no regrets. I'm like, actually, that's a period of my life that if I could do again, I would like to do differently. And I would have liked to have taken full advantage of, you know, all the amazing intellects that I was meeting, the opportunities to just try so many different things. And um, yeah, I basically did a little bit of sport, a little bit of study and um, drank a lot. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds familiar. Yeah. So, so how does this get me to Japan? Yeah. Um, I came out of university with a degree at the level I didn't want. I remember I got the phone call and I got a 2-2, not a 2-1, which is what I've been aiming for. And um, I just howled on the phone, like, well, actually, maybe after I hung up the phone, like, <laughs> this, like animal guttural pain. And my mum was like, oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. This is a PG podcast, right? So I have to watch my language. Um, <laughs> so like, what is going on down here? Um, and I hadn't really got a plan of what I was going to do. Um, but then I split up with my boyfriend that day, um, which was a good move. and I decided that yes I would go and live overseas for a year I saw um, an advert I had one of those sliding doors moment I could have gone on a graduate program and gone to live in Hull um, in the northeast of England or I could have uh, come and interviewed in London for Aikawan or Geos which I believe is no longer in existence and come to Japan for a year and that's what I chose was oh, wow. go to that interview um, and I came to Japan in 1999 as an English teacher in Chiba. Ah, yeah. so I've so been my senpai by oh, three years, yeah. maybe. Yeah, years, yeah. Mm. So actually, November third, did I arrive on, or November second? Sorry, the day before is it Bunkanohi Culture Day or something? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, yeah, that's my twenty-year anniversary. <gasps> so your Japan anniversary this year is twenty. Yeah. 20 wow. yeah exciting what are you gonna do are you gonna have a party or no oh my goodness 
Wow, this is it used to be like every year that I clocked up, I used to have this massive party. Yeah. <laughs> I did it in another year. And now it's just like, oh, yeah, okay. But I'm 20. That's, that's pretty yeah. cool. Well, well I was planning to have a massive party, but then uh, now my sister is coming for uh, the Rugby World Cup and she leaves on like the night of the first after the final. So um, I just I haven't got bandwidth to, to organize it. Right. So much going on. So I just, uh, I'll, I'll have one, but. I and mean, somebody said to me, like, why does it have to be on that weekend, on that day? I was like, oh, oh, oh yeah. Nice point. <laughs> <laughs> uh, only because I think it needs to be so that I can say today is my 20th anniversary. But, you know, how often do we have, like, birthday parties and events on the actual day? There's another exactly. 364 days that I can celebrate this on. And actually, I don't even need to celebrate it in 2019 because 2020 is my, you know, is still in my 20th year. So right, right. there you go. Yes. So we, we may not see the invitations going out <laughs> till after Christmas because you, you know what this time of year is like in Japan. It's so great. Yeah, events yeah. and sightseeing and then everything you get into Christmas. And I'm off in December for 10 days to Portugal to do the level four um, points of view. Uh, what's I can't forgot remember the name of the program, but the, um, the, the top <laughs> level, top view, I believe it's called. Right. Um, expert training so uh, a master trainer training group is what it is. well that's exciting yes. yeah so um wow yeah mm. so yeah i think we need to make like japan anniversaries a thing you know like um, yes. <laughs> to be like a a proper celebrated thing yeah, yeah <laughs> that we yeah, observe like whole, whole in japan. And yeah yeah we all send each other presents <laughs> <Interest>. and <laughs> Um, how much cultural appropriation have you done in your 20s? Yeah. <laughs> can't you tell? Um, yeah, oh I was goodness. thinking of having yeah. like a you know party like it's 1999, and I thought it would be really interesting to see how like my Japanese friends versus all my international friends sort of see 1999. Right. Um, yeah. Because of course, when I came, it was like mini money and SMAP were really big, and you know loose socks and gangaro and all of those things. And then in England at the time, I remember. Still, the Spice Girls were going. Romeo and Juliet had come out, you know, with that, that Baz Luhrmann film. Um, yeah, those are kind of the things that I remember from, mm, like, my mm, university mm, years. Right, the yeah. 99. Please don't fact check me on that. <laughs> 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 um, I think it was probably 96, but it was still kind of in my, my Right, yeah. Yeah, that would be a fun comparison, right? Because yes. the, the, the worlds are just so separate back then, too. Like, like I wasn't in Japan, so I, at 1999, so I, I don't like necessarily have all of the same cultural references that you do. But yeah. yeah, they're completely different to what they are today. And yeah, it's just fun to look back and see how much of the Japanese culture you have has become a part of you almost. Yeah, yeah, the 20 years that you've been here. And we have seen a lot, you know, <laughs> we've seen Gangoro, we've seen what all yeah. the different crazy fashions that have been through um, Japan. Even just that is quite amazing. Yeah. yeah. I actually feel like fashions in Japan are a lot more conservative or maybe it's just the places that I go. You know, Gangoro is such an extreme look and I don't see that extreme fashion these days that is true yeah <laughs> it might also be because quite... you know it's kind of the now so it's 20 years since 1999 and those sort of 90s grunge fashions are coming back in so it just seems normal to me 
that's the thing i have noticed that recently like the 90s fashion coming back and i'm like no stop it like <laughs> i am really not old, buying right? this outfit again i owned this in 1997 <laughs> i'm not paying money for it again yeah it's, it's quite frustrating and i see and I, girls walking around with these hairstyles and makeup on i'm like no no stop that you're going to regret it later yeah. <laughs> Start with the choker. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Don't look for friends for inspiration. Yeah. yeah. Oh dear. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, uh, yeah. Showing our ages. Yeah. yeah. All right. <laughs> yeah. So you ended up in Japan. Um, you started working in Aikawa. I'm also yes. yeah. I came to Japan um, with Nova. Good yes. old Nova back in the old day Nova. when it was a behemoth, and now it's not. But um, yes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> These are changes in twenty years. So, um, yeah, um, so, you I, know, a I lot of women leave though, like, you know, it, a lot of women who come with Aikaiwa don't stay in Japan. Yes. Right. So yes. what made you, like, what was different for you, do you think? That well, I did find love. Yeah. Uh, so I, I think that, you know, year one to year zero to year one kind of thing, like renewing my contract, it was very much at three months. I said, this isn't going to be long enough because you're working. You haven't really got any time to travel around Japan. Um, and then I met my husband in like the April after I'd arrived. Um, so I'd already decided I would extend my contract regardless, but I did not imagine that I would still be here 20 years later. Um, but also, you know, so I worked in the, in the schools for two years and I moved to head office for two years. And then at that point, so that must be like 2003. Yeah. So about four years in, I said to my boyfriend at the time, um, yeah, I think I'm going to go back to England. Like, I don't really see what my future holds in Japan. Um, my visa's about to run out, and yeah, so maybe it's time. And uh, he took me to an onsen in Akita and proposed. It's a cunning way to get me to stay. It <laughs> worked very well. Yeah. Uh, so here I am. And it's great, thanks to my husband uh, now, that my name is Shinkai, which is Atarashi Hiraku, which means new open. So oh, when wow. I started the business three years ago as a facilitator and coach, I was like, wow, new open, Shinkai, that's a great name for a trainer, right? Just to mm -hmm, like mm -hmm, make mm -hmm. different possibilities and creating different spaces. So um, yes, thank you, Shinkai-san, for bequeathing me that name yeah that, that's kind of a very cool like i mean obviously you could never have predicted that you were going to marry someone like that and have this but it just you know that the, all the dots lining up and just sort of creating this very cool thing kind yeah. of yeah like the, the 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 story and the different pieces yeah together. yeah yeah they all yeah. just sort of click in um, a way you never imagined yeah yeah and, and then so around that time i had decided that i would um i would still leave the language school and i joined the jmec program which is still going and i met some amazing people and then i decided to send out because i was working as a trainer at head office of um and i sort of started to apply to some recruitment companies um to get a job in hr as a trainer and uh, they all said, you haven't got enough experience, but would you like to be a recruiter? I thought, hmm, okay, maybe I'll have an interview. And I went in with a company called Wall Street Associates. And um, I thought sales, some sales experiences would be good. I didn't imagine that I would stay with that. <laughs> this is kind of the story of my life. I never imagined mm -hmm. that I would you know, still be here. I never imagined I would stay with that company for 12 years. Wow. Yeah. Um, because it had such an interesting journey and continues to, to grow and uh, go from strength to strength. So um, testament to its great culture and the people that they have. Um, 
but you know when I joined it was 25 people privately owned by a great guy called Nick Johnston who taught me a lot um, and then when I left in hang on let me get this right 2016 does that sound about right yeah 2016 mm -hmm. um, we were a subsidiary company of N Japan um, so you know Japanese massive public company and we had 800 people across Asia Pacific including about 200 in Japan at the time and I was doing marketing it's totally different from the sales job that I joined and I'd had a lot of different jobs during those 12 years as well because the company kept changing and I kept recreating myself more transformations mm. along the way that's amazing yeah. that you yeah like you know even though we're in Japan you still had the chance to recreate yourself and yeah. do different jobs you know even that was in the same company yes. um you know that's like that kind of thing doesn't really happen where I live. Do you know what I mean? Right. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm sitting here like green with envy almost, but, right. um, but yeah, that's, that's, fa that's fantastic that you were able to do that, have that experience. Um, yeah. And I think that's something that, you know, I talk a lot about in my work when I talk about Ikigai with people about, you know, life purpose and what do you love, what you're good at, uh, what can you be paid for and what does the world need that, it's like a series of transitions and a series of transformations to you know, use your, your branding um, that different conversations that you need to have with different stakeholders. None of the jobs which I had existed before I had them apart from the sales job. Right. Um, so everything was a case of me sort of going, Hmm, not that happy here in this role right now. Quite like the company though. And the people, where do I see some gaps and where might I be useful? Where can I add value mm. and sort of negotiating around those positions. And when I work with a lot of participants in workshops or in coaching, you know, I'll be in a, in a workshop with a company with, you know, 20,000 people in Japan, people say there's no opportunities for me. You know, I'm working with high potential women, for example, no opportunities for me in this firm. Like, I just, I'm sorry. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Like, who have you talked to about this? Oh, I talked to my manager once. Right. I, it's not enough. It's right. not enough. Mm. Um, now, I also heard a story the other day of someone saying that it's easier actually for me to get a job with another company than it is to use our internal mobility program. But that is a different issue. <laughs> right. Right. That's all about politics. But this is, you know. Uh, at least then you have had an idea of what it is that you want to do. You've talked about it. You've tried to have those conversations and you've done everything you can. Mm. Um, because I worked in recruitment for so many years, although I wasn't in sales for the whole time, I just saw a lot of people who went from, you know, one sort of ill-fitting role to the next, but in another company, they had a mm -hmm. honeymoon period, six to 12 months, and then they're back on the job market because they've not done the inner work and they've not really tried to reveal what was going to, you know, make them feel fulfilled and be meaningful work. And they're just kind of letting yeah. what seems like a natural progression happy, uh, happen, sorry, without yeah. actually breaking it down. And that's not every candidate, of course, but uh, a large mm. number of people who were seen as so-called jumpy, that was why. So tell us about Ikigai and, and what, what does it mean to you and how do you, um, incorporate that into your trainings and things yeah so I wish I had known about the Ikigai model in like 2015 2016 when I was having my kind of midlife crisis <laughs> and feeling um, 
very depressed at work and I got um oh, what's it called in your back uh, like a hernia slip disc right I was laid up in bed and it was around that time I started to work with a coach and do a lot of um uh work around yeah, what I was looking for and informational interviews and all those things I just wish I'd had the knowledge of this ikigai model um to help me in in that time because I found since then when I use it every time I use it in workshops and when I do the work on myself, it's like, oh, this is a really helpful framework to just check about balance. So I originally heard about it probably from the same, um, you know, meme that everyone's seen on LinkedIn and Facebook <laughs> with a four-part Venn diagram. And just before I got on the call with you, Jane, I actually read an article that was totally debunking it. Um, it was pretty interesting. So I'm going to have to go and uh, reread that and, and see what I think about that view. Mm -hmm. uh, but then I met a lady through Points of View, which is a coaching tool from Israel that I use a lot in workshops. And her name's Naomi Isoda. And she had created a work, a process using Points of View and Ikigai uh, framework to help people discover and answer the questions of what do you love? What are you good at? What can you be paid for? And what does the world need? And I remember that uh, Isoda-san said, you know, she picked up uh, the lovely Hector Garcia's book um, about Ikigai, which is a great read and a really wonderful introduction to the topic and very much focuses on um, the blue zone in Okinawa and looking at the background of uh, Ikigai. So I do recommend that. And he's still living in Tokyo. He's a really nice guy. I've met him once and hope to catch up with him again soon. So hey, Hector, if you're there. Um, and... Narumi said, you know, she read the back of the book, the blurb, and it's something like, all Japanese people believe they have an ikigai, a reason to jump out of bed in the morning. <laughs> yeah, right. So that was her reaction. That right. was my reaction. So when I met yeah. Narumi and she said that, I was like, yeah, you're, you're my people. Um, so I think that the model is like so popular overseas. Yeah. Um, and it's, you know, positioned as this thing that you know kind of cool japan and it's all in there with the wabi-sabi and all of these different things but mm -hmm. like as we know as people who live in japan for a long time um not all of these things that you you know don't believe everything you read on the internet just as <laughs> with everywhere yeah. mm -hmm. um it's not necessarily how people are living um, their lives so i saw it through as a coaching tool and as a model as a way to help anybody regardless of their nationality to just focus a little bit more on purpose um, but particularly for my Japanese participants, I just get a lot of feeling that people are doing gaman. Yeah. And they are, they're definitely working hard. Um, they are in the office. They're putting the hours in. But there's quite a large number of people that I've worked with, um, either, you know, in my previous firm or um, as participants who don't seem to derive any kind of joy or purpose or meaning out of their work. And it's more about this is a job which will pay my bills. Mm. But let's say, for example, you know, in the UK, this is a job that will pay my bills. And then I clock out at six o'clock and then I go off and I do, you know, my music or my art or I'm with my family. I feel like a lot of the people that I work with say this is a job that pays my bills and doesn't leave me with any time to do anything else. And I should be grateful for that. I because, should be grateful for that, yes. Because if I lose this job, it's all over Reed Rover, basically. Right. Isn't it? Yes. Yeah. Yes. You know, if you, if you off-ramp at any point, then don't ever try to get back into, yeah. into planning. Mm. Um, yeah, so, so I use it as a way to 
encourage people to think about what's important to them, to see how they might be able to bring and integrate sort of different aspects that just kind of make their lives a little bit happier every day. Um, and to let people know that, yeah, you deserve to have options and you do have choices. I sometimes feel like a little bit, maybe it's because of the timing that I work with people, but people are just feeling so broken and that there's no way out and, and there's no other possible option. Mm. And I want to help people to see that actually, yeah, it's not going to happen overnight, but maybe there's a small thing that you can do at work tomorrow or there's a way that you can reframe this relationship or you can even scandalously just stop doing this task and nobody will notice. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. What would happen? Mm, Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I love I love all of that because it, it you know you can start today, and a lot of Japanese people are gamaning, and and it's not all Jap- just Japanese people, but I especially see Japanese people um, gaman well putting up with things. Let's use the English word. Um, yes, for, <laughs> persevering, for, uh, persevering for like until they retire. You know, like it's not like until next week or for a month. It's yeah. like really long periods of time that they're they're thinking that they're going to put up with this or persevere with this um and i'm like well you know maybe if you just try you know let's just do this some little shift or change and see how that affects things you'll be in a different place in a year's time you know um so i mean like as we've just seen this weekend so you gamand you gamand you gamand and then everything that you had is washed away is it worth it and yeah. did you really live your life every day? And I'm getting a bit uh, goosebumps <laughs> saying this. So mm. like, what's it all for? And I'm not saying like, okay, let's uh, chase some hedonistic dream of like full on enjoying ourselves every single day, but just kind of check in and go, you know, I, I was reading an article, some, some research talking about, uh, yes, actually a lot of Japanese people, according to this research, do believe they have an ikigai, but only I think was maybe 25% of it find it in their work. Right. Um, and a large number of people find it in their family. But when you think about how family time is, I don't even know the word to say, like not valued or just even put to the side. So it's not prioritized, right? Yeah, yeah, not prioritized. Thank you. <laughs> I can't even think of the Japanese word. So there's no excuses there. Um, you know, saying that um, I'm doing it for my family, but you're providing financially but are you there for the other things? And, you know, I have a friend who works with um, a lot of senior, uh, you know, butcho, male butchos and uh, like senior managers. And they're like scared to go home. Yeah. Because they don't know their family. And I'm like, and yeah. you, you know, you have been doing this. You have been putting in all this work for your family. But what's the output? Mm. Right. Yeah. And what at what cost? And at what cost? Yeah. So, so I I guess it might sound like I'm getting a bit preachy, telling people how to live. That's definitely not my intention. Um, my intention is to just help people see like there's some other ways that you can approach these things, and here are some tools that you might want to use. Here's one way to ask yourself some important questions, and um, you know, in the workshop, it's just about creating the space. Um, but the journey programs that I run are definitely about like let's make this. A little bit more practical. Mm. 
And I like that it's practical because, you know, your average person is not going to sell everything and move to Bali to be supposedly happy. And I guarantee you they wouldn't find happiness in Bali anyway. Um, You can be happy with what you have now. And, you know, it's just, yeah, let's find what it is that the little tweaks that you can make now that'll that'll lead to happiness. Yeah. Yes. Mm. Yes. Yes. So Montainai, yeah. Oh, Montainai. And that's the thing, you know, when you see, I see people in different workshops and you see how they light up and how they engage and just all the hopes and dreams. And Japan is going through a massive labor shortage. So people have lots of ideas, but they don't Mm. have necessarily the psychological safety in their organization to share them very afraid of failure, risk yeah. averse. So, so that's like another piece of my work as well to create inclusive cultures where people can share those ideas regardless of their gender and their background and their age and whether they went to the right university or not. And just mm. let's use what's making us unique humans to help build our business, build better products for our customers, and solutions. Um, yeah. Yeah, it's not helping anyone or anything hiding your light. No. And yeah, that's... But we want to shine, not shine. Wanna... <laughs> <laughs> For the yeah. guys as well. The guys as exactly. well. And it, I mean, just recently I heard someone um, in my, one of my friend's friends, um, just, he was like 28 and just dropped dead, like oh. from overwork, from um, responsibility, from, you know, all the things. And I just think that's, that's so sad. Yeah. That, right. It's just terrible. And this is, you know, in, in not even in Tokyo where you imagine, you know, this is in Fukushima, you know, right. <laughs> you know, it overwork happens everywhere and um, that's a real thing in Japan, especially. So yeah, let's, yeah. let's enjoy what we have. Yeah. yeah. All we have is what we have today. So right. <clears throat> and you know if people have from a from an economic standpoint and i'm not an economist so again don't fact check me on this but when people have more leisure time then they are able to contribute to the economy in a different way so that's where discretionary spending comes in that's where people are able to feed tourism um you know when we're only uh, our only input into the economy is through our production through our work and we're not consuming enough then obviously that's going to have an impact on the other end mm. it's a very that was finite, like, you know, what, yeah, yeah, finite what amount of energy what was it called happy fridays i can't remember oh that was a thing wasn't it wasn't it what yeah was it? i mean it was like i can't remember what it was called now yeah anyway happy friday yeah, wasn't it happy friday yeah and we went so we're supposed to go home at 12 o'clock but then nobody was it 12 o'clock it. or was it like five o'clock <laughs> I, can't, I think it's supposed to have a, maybe five. I can't remember, but we're all supposed to we're leave. Supposed to leave on time. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's, that's the irony, right? Um, mm. but, but although then, what happened was, you know, people, a couple of people I talked to about it were like, yeah, we had like a company drinking party, so I still didn't like mm. go to the cinema with my darling or yeah. take my right. family out for dinner. It was still like organizational focus. Yeah. Yeah. Oh dear. Okay. Yeah. So you have got some workshops coming up. So please tell yes. us about them and how people can join them if they're, you know, they've heard something that they really like the sound of today while we've been talking. Great. So one of the uh, workshops I um, 
come ugh, I can't even speak <laughs> coming up on November the 6th in Tokyo it's a half day workshop in the afternoon and I will be collaborating with a Stefan from New Works and I can never pronounce his last name so it's going to kill me so I won't butcher it now um, and we're going to be using a workshop around the Ikigai card game Mm -hmm. which is interesting because rather than having the fourth, third and fourth questions, it has a reality check zone where you're asked to sort of questions like, um, what's one of them? Being honest with yourself. Can you really be good enough to differentiate yourself in this market? You're like, oh, wow, right? <laughs> <laughs> so, whereas I, you know, I do a workshop that I talked about, Isada Sounds um, Creative with Points of View. And that is um, <laughs> very like dream big and, and just explore and see what's possible and don't edit yourself. And um, the Ikigai card game sort of brings it back very much to like really, you know, um, how are you going to do this? How are you going to make it happen with your reality right. check? Um, mm -hmm. So I can send you uh, and your listeners a link to sign up via uh, Doorkeeper. Okay. Yes. Do send that to us. We'll put it in the yeah. show notes. Yeah. Yes. Thank you. And then another workshop I have coming up, I've talked about points of view a little bit today. Um, so this is a, as I mentioned, a coaching tool from Israel that uses photos and words and just makes this amazing, unexpected, but precise is one of the, uh, the buzzwords of points of view. Mm. Just these insights that you have, um, great communication tool. You can use it for self-coaching. You can use it for one-on-one -on -one coaching. Um, you know, if you're working as a coach or a counselor, um, you can use it in groups for if you're a facilitator. Uh, but also it's been used as a strategy tool within organizations, talking about career conversations, teamwork, culture, mission, vision, values, the whole, um, the whole nine yards of different ways, sort of infinite possibilities of how you can use it as a workshop format. And I will be running the first time actually in English, the new academy program, and I will be offering the level one um, academy program called Hello Points. And it's six hours. You get a pack of the coaching game, which is 65 gorgeous cards and a book and uh, focus notes, all of these things. You also get a pack of Punctum, which is 33 beautiful cards and question cards and uh, reflection cards, um, as well as you know, actual takeaways in terms of here is a workshop, you know, here is a process that you can run um, with your customers. So how to use it. It's really experiential. It's a beautiful day with the flow of it and how I've, I've run similar programs before. Um, but this is the first time that the program will be offered in English in Japan because mm. it's launching on November 1 officially and mm -hmm. I will be running it on December 3rd in Tokyo. December um, 3rd, right. Yes. And then people as well, if they're interested in finding out more, of course, they can sign up to um, my Facebook page, uh, follow me on LinkedIn. And I also have a newsletter which goes out as well as a PTIX group for points of view work in English. Mm -hmm. so, all to be in the show notes. Very sure. good. So both <laughs> of those workshops are in Tokyo, aren't they? Both um, are in Tokyo. Yes. And that it's November 6th, one is a half day and the December 3rd is six hours. So yes. So it's, a, it's a full, a full day. day. Yeah. yeah mm -hmm. It's a full day. It's a really intense schedule. I have to say. <laughs> um, like 20 minute break, 20 minute break, no lunch hour. It's like, right, right. don't, don't kind of break the 
No, you don't want to break at the, the magic sort yes. of mood that you get into, yeah. do you? But you also don't want people to pass out from hunger as well. So <laughs> have snacks. Snacks oh, good. There'll be, <laughs> there'll be snacks. Don't worry. There'll be snacks. Light drinks. Light snacks and drinks provided. Bring your own bento, something like that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. So those Very are some good. things that are coming up. Yeah. And I'll be yeah. running more workshops, um, more public workshops um, in 2020 as well. And if people are interested in bringing any of the things that we've talked about into organizations, that's actually where I do the, the bulk of my work too. Very good. Yeah. Mm. That's awesome. I would love to attend either of those on, yes. and I would if I wasn't <laughs> sort of trapped in Fukushima at the moment with my, um, with my family, my oh. husband's not here, but um, right. anyway, yes, I will just imagine how wonderful that will be. So if oh. someone like can't make it to Tokyo, is there some way they can like, learn about this um, points of view or whatever, you know, coaching or the, um, the cards or anything like that by themselves. Yeah. So for points of view, I mean, you know, you can, you can buy the tools online. They have an online game that you can access. I think, I mean, Jane, I think you did a points of view online when we were. I I wasn't there that time that you had it. Yeah. Yeah. Unfortunately. Yeah. There is, there is a way to run it online. Um, but one option as well, you know, if I can get enough people in a, um, in a Japan-based location anyway, I can travel to uh, run like the Hello Points workshop, no problem. Um, so you can get sort of eight people together, um, happy to travel around Japan. And there's also people around the world operate, offering these programs as well. It's not a Japan-based uh, business. So if you look right. at pointsofview.com, you can find a trainer um, anywhere. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's a lot I'm the only person in Japan doing the, I think at the moment anyway doing a hello points workshop in English mm-hmm. um, the Japan right. tribe is mostly Japanese trainers mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. if you speak Japanese then there's many more options right okay yes. good um, there's a lot of great um, facilitators out there so who, who are in the Japan tribe who can help you <laughs> out across across the country good the Hokkaido and across in Kyushu so yeah well, it sounds like there's a, a community around the, the whole, the whole yeah, thing. Yeah, it's a yeah. great community. And, and one of the, you know, this is actually the essence of points of view. One of the founding ideas is about paying it forward. And that's like why Narumi's work, you know, she could have kept this process all to herself. But in the points of view, we're always trying to like share the work and get more people to experience it and increase the impact that we can have like through all the members of the tribe across the world, rather than just being like, Oh, this is my IP mm-hmm. and I'm going to keep this just for me. Um, but of course I always uh, like to honor the work that she did and acknowledge that she's the, was the creator of the work too. Well, thank you so much for coming and talking to us today about you. your journey yes. <laughs> and your transformations and the work that you do. And I can see that it's, you know, must just, bring so much happiness to people as they work through how they can, you know, make improvements in their lives. And so you're doing important work, Jennifer. Thank you. Thank so you. Much. Yeah. Thank you. I, I really do feel like I'm integrating my Ikigai more and more every day, mm. just making little steps and, and trying to kind of keep, um, keep to those things that I think are important and the work that mm-hmm. where I can, mm-hmm. you know, offer my value and be useful to people yeah okay well i hope it yeah i hope some of the listeners will take um take advantage of those workshops or yeah contact jennifer and she can come to you wherever you may be yeah awesome 
All right. Well, thank you yeah. so much, Jennifer. I thank hope you, to see Dave. you in real life again soon sometime. <laughs> yes. Yes. If not, okay. that's always online. There okay. is. Okay. All right. Thank you so much. Bye. Bye-bye. I hope you enjoyed that interview with Jennifer. And perhaps you learned something about Ikigai or points of view, those sorts of things. Definitely hop over to her website, jennifershinkai.com. You can find all the places you can follow her there. But also in the show notes, I will have some information for you, how you can uh, access that. Make sure you subscribe to her new uh, podcast, Ikigai with Jennifer Shinkai. And if you would like to see how I can help you with your own podcast, you can go over to janenakata.com slash podcast consulting. Really looking forward to helping you get your show out there if that's something you've been thinking about. Well, by the time you listen to this, it's nearly new year. So I'm wishing you a happy new year wherever you may be. And I will look forward to, yeah, bringing you more shows in the new year. Take care. Bye-bye.